We all understand the SDGs and that's something important and we should treasure that. Greece should become the leader in the region for impact investing and venture philanthropy. When you're visually impaired, the first thing you learn is to listen. Hello and welcome to The Purpose Pod. I'm your host, Richard Milan, Head of Impact at Investing for Purpose. We connect impact investors with purposeful companies in need of growth capital. In this podcast, we share personal and professional stories from impact leaders from across the world as we aim for a more equitable and purposeful future in which everybody has the chance to thrive. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Eleni Theodoru, Managing Director of the We Share Forward Foundation. Eleni, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here with you today. It's our pleasure. Eleni, tell me a bit about what you're doing now and what is the We Share Forward Foundation? So uh, currently I'm uh, the managing director of We Share Forward Foundation. We are Dutch-based, based in uh, The Hague in the Netherlands, Foundation, Philanthropic Foundation. And we have been active in the venture philanthropy ecosystem the past years. What we do is we support early stage social entrepreneurs and students that want to create impact in the world. And we do that in a new, more innovative way. So uh, we provide grants. And once the social entrepreneurs or students are successful, if they want so on a voluntary basis, they pay it forward to another change maker. And we uh, provide a financial vehicle to facilitate and, uh, and empower this process and create the community. We do that through creating alliances. And I will talk more about it in a bit. Thank you. Could you tell us a bit about your, your background, your childhood, and how you came to be involved in IMPACT? So uh, probably you understood from my name that I'm Greek. So I was born and raised in Greece in our beautiful country with the beautiful weather. When I was a baby, I was uh, diagnosed with a rare childhood cancer, which uh, actually uh, had an effect on my vision. So I'm visually impaired and proudly uh, say that I'm a disabled woman. When, when you cannot see very well, when you're visually impaired, the first thing you learn is to listen and to really understand the world in a different way. So since I was a baby, I've been uh, listening, understanding and empathizing with my ecosystem so and the environment. And uh, yeah, my whole life I wanted to, to help people. Uh, so I thought this would happen through a diplomatic career, but I realized, no, I need to actually enter the international impact ecosystem. So my whole career and studies have been serving the communities that need it the most. Listening, empathizing and understanding. I think we could all do with working a lot more on those qualities. Yes. Um, so who did you begin working with and what skills did you build up in those, those early years? So from uh, these studies, um, I actually started working for the United Nations and other international organizations, as well as corporations, and always uh, transferring uh, value between sectors, so building partnerships. So one of the things that I love about the impact sector, everyone comes from a different specialism, a yes. different point of view. So what do you find you know, special about this, this community of purpose-driven professionals? What I've seen is... Um, they're, they're truly kind people in our community. They're people that have the technical background to lead change. What is important is to be able to uh, work 
and discuss also with other sectors and you know to not get lost in translation so uh, i've seen more and more colleagues coming from other sectors and other backgrounds and what is very important here is to create a common language that everybody understands so i love this diversity because impact is really uh, yeah, is intersectionality. The, all the challenges we are addressing have an intersectionality element, so we need diverse backgrounds. And so on to WeShare Forward Foundation now. Yeah. A little bit more about, so, so what are the goals and the philosophy, um, and h- how do you recycle impact capital? So uh, the philosophy is really based on the paid forward uh, principle. So once you've been helped, you help somebody else. And we continue doing that, creating the ripple effect and domino effect, whatever you want to call it. You know, philanthropy for many years has been really a one-way transaction. And what we are trying to do is to be able to reuse, recycle the capital so that we can support more and more uh, early stage social entrepreneurs. We need more philanthropic capital to enter more risky areas. And uh, catalytic capital should be there and should be enough so that it can create a, a strong pipeline for other impact investors to come in later and scale these solutions. So let's get into this a bit so, so our listeners can understand how it works. So, yeah. so you call you call it um, revolving impact capital, is that right? Yes. So, so structurally, how does that actually work for your, let's say, for your investees? Yes. So... First of all, uh, what we do is we facilitate capital for donors. So let's say you are donor A, you would uh, give a donation to us. We are a non-profit foundation and an ANBI status foundation in the Netherlands. And then what we do is we disperse it to the social entrepreneur after we have done a tailor-made agreement with KPIs, with impact outcomes, etc., etc., once we have agreed how they're going to pay it forward, uh, sometimes this can be sharing 1% of their shares or a part of their revenue or profit or just paying the amount forward. And once they are successful, they can pay it forward to us and we will channel it back to another social entrepreneur. So you see the dynamic is changing here because we turn the social entrepreneurs into funders mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And what is important here is not only the focus on the capital, but also the non-financial support. So social entrepreneur can help another social entrepreneur with knowledge, access, and capital. It's sort of hybrid almost of outcomes-based financing, but for the social enterprise. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so basically, uh, we are looking at both the, the let's say, the, the business success and the, the impact outcomes, which for us are interconnected, obviously. So um, we agree with them what success means for them. And then once they are at this level, on a voluntary basis, again, they can pay it forward. So we don't provide impact loans. Our capital is even more patient than that. That's why in many occasions it's combined with other impact investing tools and that's why we have been involved in many blended finance uh, deals. Let's, let's get into that as well, because it's yeah. fascinating. But, but give us a sort of sense of the universe. So, so how much capital have you got currently invested? And what, what sort of scale are you at? How many investees? So we are very uh, working on early stage. So uh, up to 250K is the ticket and really depends on the donor. Um, we have done already multiple deals. I mean, we are active since 2018 and really 
been working on on uh, large programming since 2020 and now we are entering into multiple deals and we focus always on health education and food nutrition Mm -hmm. i didn't mention that so coming now into how do you select your investees Mm -hmm. and what's your what's your territory so we have been focusing on europe continent uh, but recently we have been also funding social entrepreneurs in sub-saharan africa Basically, how we select the social entrepreneurs, we work with trusted partners. Uh, We believe that you cannot do this alone. Uh, We will never have a full uh, due diligence team internally. So, for example, if uh, there is a solution that we would like to fund in education, then we will work with Junior Achievements Europe, which is one of our partners, to select the best young social entrepreneurs. We, we really trust in the expertise of our partners in each sector. So this early stage growth funding is very similar to where we're positioned at Investing for Purpose, typically 150, 200,000 euros plus. We're trying to fund startups who need that early stage growth capital at a critical, critical stage that so many fail. It's very hard to attract the small investment in a way before Series A and so on. Talk a little bit around why it's so important to foster innovation at that stage in a company's uh, growth. First of all, it's very important not only to foster innovation, but to be able to maintain it. And if we as funders don't take the responsibility to come in that stage, we won't have enough innovations to fund later on. So somebody needs to step in. Normally, and from what we see from the sector, mostly uh, philanthropic funders step in that stage and some really impact first funders and investors. It's very important because this is where all the the creativity happens. This is where new ideas come into play. And this is where we need to be able to support in an equitable and democratic way solutions. So funding should be available to all social entrepreneurs because in that way we can enter geographies that haven't been served and... uh, rare diseases and and areas of uh, nature-based solutions that uh, nobody wants to fund because they're risky. We need to come in that stage and foster and uh, cultivate and support these solutions. I guess the goal would be that your your investees become fully self-sustaining and profitable yes. after a number of years. How many as it takes to support them? What, three, five, ten? Yes, normally it's uh, between three, five, but we uh, it's a tailor-made uh, deal every time. So we try to to serve the social entrepreneur in a way that we won't harm their business. So we agree with them what success means. That transition from let's say NGO nonprofit to a profit-making enterprise what are the key takeaways for others to learn how to help social enterprises make that transition that's a great question because funders can also provide the capacity building and the non-financial support for them to do this transition Uh, there are amazing tools out there professionals programs that uh, all these great corporate but not only corporate uh, impact funders can provide for them so always when you talk with a donor ask them okay, what else you can provide beyond funding? What is your non-financial support offering? Uh, the, the easiest way to, to go uh, 
that direction is to actually uh, create a social enterprise under the NGO, 100% uh, owned by the NGO, so that the profits go back and fund uh, the activities on the NGO, or you do a complete transition. But for some NGOs, that's not uh, possible. So having a, a profit revenue-making uh, uh, part in your organization is crucial, and you can attach it to the daily activities. One of the things we often say to our enterprises, our, our investees, um, when they say there's no fee for us, we say, yeah, maximizing uh, your impact is our fee. Um, and I've heard you say something similar. Uh, you say our impact is our profit. So, uh, yeah, tell us what that means. What uh, we do is, of course, we need to cover our costs, which are uh, minimum. But other than that, all the capital is channeled towards the change makers, the social entrepreneurs. The idea here is that we want to, to serve the sector with a new innovative model and we want to be able to reuse this philanthropic capital and be able to support more and more of these social entrepreneurs. This is why also for us is key to, to be able to have structural funding from other sources that can help us continue our operations. If I can do a call to action to, our, to the ecosystem is that, you know, we need more structural funding and funding that is not earmarked so that more and more innovative impact finance tools can come in the market and can uh, create change. Just a tiny break in the middle of all this. What keeps you awake at night? Oh, that's a great question. In terms of worries or in terms uh, of anything you ideas? Like. Well, I'll tell you both the positive and the negative. Mm -hmm. the, the negative is that I would like to see more compassion. And I would like, especially after COVID, uh, I feel like we closed a lot in ourselves and looking more at ourselves. What I learned is uh, look at others, care about others. And this is something that I, I think we need to, to awake again in the society. Um, we also have a saying in Greece, and probably you know it, which means do good and throw it in the sea, which means do the good, don't expect something back. Um, and this is uh, how I lead. Uh, this is uh, how I see my life every day, but also in my professional life. And then on the positive side, there are so many amazing things that are happening in our sector that I'm excited about. And especially with all the creativity we can engage with uh, in our sector with all the impact tools and combining impact-linked finance with guarantees, using endowments to actually create system change in the ecosystem we want to influence, joining our forces like we do with the Community of Practice in Health and the Youth Alliance, which is a new uh, uh, partnership. So many things we can do, we just need to unlock our imagination. Let's talk a bit about impact measurement mm -hmm. and, and the approach to it. I know it's, it's a delicate balance from our experience of not laboring the investee with too much, too much work, but also you know, showing the, the impact returns alongside financial returns. So how do you approach that with your enterprises? As you know, this is the biggest challenge in our sector. Uh, nobody has the holy grail and nobody really knows how to do it, but there are some good best practices and some international standards that uh, are understood by the whole sector. So 
Actually, what we decided to do was to revolutionize this space and we started a consortium of experts from the sector, from the different uh, phases and uh, uh, yeah, perspectives of impact. And we call it Open Impact Consortium, where we are at the steering committee with Phoenix Capital Group, uh, as well as we are uh, in the group with other uh, partners from EVPA to Tonic to Ashoka to uh, some of the biggest ecosystem players, uh, as well as representatives from the user side uh, of IMM, which is also entrepreneurs, but also impact funders. Um, and of course, academia, because you cannot do this without academia and research. So what we want to do is to create an open, open source impact tool that will be a step-by-step -step tool to help uh, impact makers from A to Z to measure and manage their impact. The idea is that it will be open source, so we democratize it because, as you know, it's one of the most expensive uh, uh, elements in our sector, and uh, it will have a basis where you can build on thematically with different metrics. Um, of course, so far, and I'll, until this tool and this uh, guidebook, let's say, is, is ready, we have been uh, on a case-by-case -case agreeing uh, impact outcomes with uh, our social entrepreneurs and our donors, because what we do is we do a very inclusive approach in our work. We include everybody, we do tailor-made uh, agreements, and to be able to maximize your impact, you cannot standardize. You need to really agree on the outcomes and both with the entrepreneur and the funder. Very exciting that you're working on that open source. We'll obviously include that link when it's available, but meanwhile, thank you, because the <laughs> industry needs it. It feels like the, the kind of elements are aligning very slowly. There's the impact frontiers, there's the impact management platform and project, but, but still, particularly around social return on investment, there's a lot of fine-tuning, should we say, yes. that's, that's needed, and all the collaboration to help move that along is, is very, very welcome, so thank you for doing that. How hard does the capital need to work for your investors? Is it purely donor? Is, is there some expectation of return? Is that measured against impact? How does that all work? Yes, so that's a great question. Um, this is why we use donations. This is why we have donors. Normally, these donors would give uh, the grant, one-way transaction, and uh, they would expect outcomes of the programs. Now, with our model, they capital can be revolved, there can be some type of return, but it will not go back to the donors. It will be re-channeled to another social entrepreneur. So um, using philanthropic capital that can endure a lot of risk and is patient is key here. Um, because we put first the impact that is created, and then if the capital is revolved, great, we can support another social entrepreneur. But that's something also that the social entrepreneurs love because when they return the capital, they know it will go to another social entrepreneur. Mm. And presumably your, your donors can see their, their impact aggregating or get a sense of how, how hard that donation is working. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you mentioned earlier your new partnership. Yes. Um, tell us a bit more about that. So uh, for the past one half year, we serve Forward Foundation, founded together with Bayer Foundation and Brunier Ingelheim, Making More Health, uh, the community of practice in health. This is now a 22 impact funders community uh, focusing in access to healthcare in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, and what we do is we co-fund together 
social entrepreneurs in hopefully the best way we can. All this started actually in one of the European Venture Philanthropy Association uh, conferences um, where uh, I was with Stefan from Bayer Foundation, Christian from Buringer Ingelheim, and we realized we are looking at the same deals. And what are we doing for these social entrepreneurs? We make them report to 10 different donors, uh, negotiate with 10 different uh, funders. Why don't we work together to help them the best way we can? So this is where everything uh, started. And now we have done already uh, three joint deals. And the key here is that we use blended finance. So we combine our tools and our uh, models. And yeah, we're looking forward to do more and more together. That's wonderful. We'll put all the details in the show notes as well. So links to yes. uh, this initiative and the various contributors as well. So that's everyone look, look down below the podcast for more information. Because you are from Greece, alongside all of the difficulties and hardship, it's a positive moment. And there's a lot of innovation, you know, a wonderful community of impact investors that's growing. The understanding is growing. We discover, you know, every day, new, young, talented, impactful enterprises. What's your take on, on the situation in Greece and the potential over the next few years? Greece should become the epicenter for the social economy. It should become the leader in the region for impact investing and venture philanthropy. We have deep societal challenges and environmental challenges, and the capital that can serve that the best is impact capital. I know that a lot of investments are coming in the country and there are some great initiatives working in Greece at the moment in fostering the ecosystem, including yourself, uh, the National Advisory Board, but also other actors from Impact Hub to you name it, and many foundations. Talking to some of these foundations already, I think we need to uh, create a capacity building program or upskilling so that they learn all these new impact capital tools and really to, to inform the government to understand this, to work with this, um, so that we can become like Portugal. Portugal, in just a number of years, they, they cultivated a complete social economy. Of course, they have multiple challenges still, but they build tools. The government uh, created the uh, Portugal Innovação, which is um, uh, the social innovation uh, program. They build different funds, they build different programs. We can do the same. We need to create the awareness, build the vehicles, but also do the lobbying, the, the, the policy uh, recommendations to, to help this environment to grow. We need that leadership to, just to make, it, to make it happen. Yes. Um, well, that's great. Let's, let's follow up on that. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Good. Um, so, so just touching on the bigger picture for a second, where do you look for a focal point? There are the SDGs and so on. Is that currently, in your opinion, the, the clearest alignment for everyone to focus on in terms of the goals that are currently not being met, but at least it's pointing people in a direction that, of clarity, let's say? The SDGs was the first really framework, the first language that everybody understood. And for me, this is so important. The fact that I can talk about uh, SDGs with some of the biggest uh, pension funds in Europe, but at the same time, corporates, with impact funds, with foundations, with the change makers. This is key. We all understand the SDGs and that's something important and we should, we should treasure that. Saying that, the SDGs should be the language that can help us grow. 
some of these SDGs not only are not being met, but actually we're going backwards, especially in terms of climate change, etc. I believe that they are they're a great compass uh, for the sector, and we should combine them with our values. Um, so let's say we all speak the SDGs, and then let's tailor-made to our values and to the needs of the local ecosystems. So um, what I always say is human-centered design, local focus, but with strength and power from top-down policy level as well. So let's use SDGs as our main language, and then let's uh, take it down and break it down to the local needs. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Reasons to be optimistic? Reasons to be optimistic? Well, our sector is growing so much uh, is professionalizing. We have some great best practices we can build on. Um, I've met amazing people over the years from all walks of life and all backgrounds. What I would like to see more, uh, and I'm optimistic that it will happen, is funders, impact funders with lived experiences. So uh, if you're working on disability inclusion, Maybe you have a disability or maybe somebody in your family has. I would like to see, and I know it sounds like more big uh, dream, but I would like to see an impact fund for the Amazon led by indigenous people. I would like to see people that understand the challenge at their core. Because when um, your values inform your purpose and then your investment thesis and strategy, As somebody said to me uh, yesterday, if you're touched, you cannot be untouched. You keep on serving, you keep on finding solutions, and that's all about our sector. We have a palette of tools, we just need to combine them the best way possible to support the solutions. Eleni, that's a wonderful way to wrap up, I think. It kind of sums up in a way also the, the We Share Forward Foundation philosophy. Exactly. It's all about collaboration, bringing all these different uh, funders together, uh, revolving the philanthropic capital, doing blended uh, deals, and in that way, really leading by example to support more and more change makers to maximize impact. Lots to be working on. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks to everyone for listening. For more about Eleni and the We Share Forward Foundation, please see the show notes below. If you're enjoying the Purpose Pod, please like, subscribe and share. If you have any comments or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear covered, please email me, Richard, at investing-for-purpose.com. We'll look forward to welcoming you again next time. Meanwhile, as ever, we'll leave you with the final word from our guest. Collaborate and stay purposeful.